Captain's Dog. <laughs> I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Sister Boy Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship USS Bahama Offshore Account, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where Picard has groomed Elmore! Soy Trek the Podcast is here, one half vegan, one half queer, a hundred percent communist, unless we have a less leftist guest, well, Patrick and Britain. Talking, joking, farting, and shitting all about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, this show is Rex. Soy Trek, the podcast is here. So listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Welcome to the bridge. This is Soy Trek, the show where two Trekkies ask themselves... Who the fuck let them release the shit? <laughs> uh, yeah, pass through multiple levels of um, of uh, you know go aheads. You know, yeah. people were just like you know proving it just nonstop. Being like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's like it's the opposite of uh, you know when like Bill Gates uh, ate ate the poop water or drank the poop water. Mm-hmm. You know, it, every single level like filters out a new level of poop, and <laughs> the very end, it, it's something that a billionaire can drink, right? Yes. So, so this started with like maybe a multimillionaire billionaire's idea, and just then uh, they took a poop, and the next level of the filter somehow made it even poopier. And then the next uh, set of eyes it went through, they're like, no, 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 we need to make this shit shittier. <laughs> and somehow you ended up with a bigger pile of poop at the end of the filter. Yep. Uh, and I, I hope Bill Gates still drinks it's it. It's still a squeezed poop. Yeah it's, yeah. it's still just poop water. And I think I was telling you, like, you know, um, when Picard initially uh, premiered, I know you asked me at the beginning, like, what do you think of this shit? You mm-hmm. texted me. I was just yeah. like, you know what? I hold out hope. Mm-hmm. And this is the episode that really killed it for me. Yeah, this is the episode. <laughs> this was the point of no return where I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is. Yeah, I was just like, ooh, ooh, man, yeah. this is this is just this is just dog shit. <laughs> it's, it's actually like. But I mean, so so let, let's. Uh, yeah, we haven't even gotten into it. Yeah, we haven't it even yet. gotten yeah, into it yet. We're already making like a deep meta commentary on it. So uh, this week, if you haven't already gotten it, we are watching. uh an episode of Star Trek Picard. Mm-hmm. Let's get Picard in. Let's get Picard in here. Let's get Picard in. Let's get Picard in here. Let's get Picard in. Let's get Picard in here. Let's get Picard in. Let's get Picard in here. Everybody, everyone, Soy Trek, here we come. Uh, oh, I want to say welcome to the bridge because that used to be our theme song, but now it's the theme song for the episode. So very, very confused. So very today confusing. we will be watching uh, Star Trek Picard season one, episode four. I didn't write down the title. Uh, fucking uh, uh, absolute candor. Absolute candor. Thank you. I didn't, couldn't think of it. candor. Yes, absolute, absolute candor. It's about uh, Elnor who became a singer at um, synagogue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. He's an absolute cantor. So. This episode was written by none other than Michael Chabon, uh, who was the... Ba- Chabon! 
He was the head writer, and he came up with the entire uh, story to this uh, season of Star Trek Picard. And thankfully, he divested completely after that and is not involved with any Star Trek. They took him out in the back and shot him. I got it. I hope so. (laughs) Uh, So Michael Chabon, you might know him if you read books because he's written a lot of books, including some like big award winners and some actually like very good sci-fi before, Mm. including uh, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. Which hmm. was a, uh, I think a uh, Saturn and Nebula and Hugo Award winner all in the same year. Wow! Like that year when I came out, I don't know, like two thousand five or two thousand six. I read it and I was like, "This is great." This guy has like is is because it was like funny and a little quirky and weird and like basically everyone was like, "Hey, is this the new Douglas Adams?" And then he proved himself not to be. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and uh, so. The level of quality from Michael Chabon's writing here, like, what the fuck? What the fuck happened there? So that doesn't make sense. But what really doesn't make sense and what really hurts me more than anything is who directed this episode. Who? Jonathan Frakes. Ooh, our, our Riker. Our Will T. Riker and Tom Riker. I, I choose to believe Tom Riker uh, fucking did this episode. Yeah, Tom, I can see that. Tomathan Frakes did this episode. <laughs> I don't accept that Jonathan Frakes did it, because Jonathan Frakes is a legitimately good director. However, Jonathan Frakes has done many episodes of Discovery that leave a lot to be desired. And also, let's not forget, Jonathan Frakes directed Star Trek Insurrection. Which is a nearly unforgivable sin. Yeah, he's but, done a lot of good, but also a lot of bad. Yeah, and so he, we can accept that he's a pretty good director, and he's a competent director, but you can only go so far with a script made out of uh, five levels of filtered poo that ends up as a bigger pile of poo. Yes. Yeah, so Probably still, yeah, I mean, it still has that hint of poo to it. A hint? <laughs> it's even pooier than before. <laughs> the only hint is poo. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's kind of like when you distill distill something and just like the concentrated version of it. It's a it's a it's a poop reduction sauce. Is what it is. <laughs> Who is this balsamic reduction? No, no, it's balsamic. <laughs> balsamic. Uh, so we open the episode, and Admiral Jean Luc Picard is visiting a Romulan relocation hub on Vashti in twenty three eighty five. The settlement is lively, and the Romulans seem to be getting accustomed to their new lives as they go about their daily routines. Picard beams down to the planet, and people crowd around him and seem to be excited to see him. He's very, like, like white savior, like, you know. Yeah, he's going, wearing, he's going wearing like, Africa. a safari cap and yeah, everything. He's wearing, it's funny. Yeah, uh, the whole white suit, and mm-hmm. looks like looks like he's on, like, on like a weird safari as, as, as like, either... Like a um, big game huntsman, or or a um, or a um, uh, sex, uh, yeah. uh, like a sex pat type, uh, just a person that's over there for well, the sex tourism. Let's just say he looks like he's doing something Hemingway related. Yeah, which <laughs> you know probably isn't a good thing. No, no, um, no. So the Romulans are excited to see him and rush over to him for uh, any updates on the evacuation of Romulan worlds from the impending supernova. Picard is quick to assure them that the Federation will not abandon them and will help them settle into their new lives on a new planet. Which is also, uh, like, this is also very weird for him, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going in and, to, you know, and seeking praise 
Right. Like, like Picard is a man of action. He doesn't go places to like do a, this isn't even a diplomatic anything. He's just like, yeah. Cause you think he would be like meeting with like the heads of state. Like, like that, that would be his main concern is to, is to like, well, he, uh, he sees a certain head of state later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and this kind of like set the theme for, yeah. Yeah. That, that does set El- the theme. Elnor takes a whole head of state yeah. from some guy. That does set the theme because yeah, it's like, you know, his, this like his pride and, um, and like his identity is like what leads kind of like this whole episode is mm-hmm. like where. It just seems very unPicard like for him. Very. It's and it's it's weird. Like the episode is written in this form of weird Picard hero worship. Yeah. Um, where it's like it, Picard is obviously lionized, but then it's also trying to show like, but he's not perfect, but he still is almost perfect. But like he's trying. All of the decisions he makes are like bad ones and ones that don't really match up to any Picard we know up and, to this point. And have some very dire consequences. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's why I just don't like this whole scene already. Like already, like when I first watched it, like I was just like, Oh, it gets worse. It's, it's like, it's it like, gets worse. Yeah, like it just was radiating evil and just made me feel stick to my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so a young boy named Elnor sees Picard beam down and hurries to the Quomot Milat's dwelling and informs the sisters of the Quomot Milat that Picard is coming. Shortly thereafter, Picard enters and greets everyone. Elnor is shy at first, but one of the warrior nuns, Zani, tells him to make himself seen. Noting that he's been talking excitedly about Picard since his last visit to the settlement. Sounds like a cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when's Picard coming back? <laughs> Did you pee your pants again? No, no, no. don't, no. Uh, Elnor eagerly asks Picard if he brought him a present, to which Picard responds by giving Elnor a copy of The Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas. Like, yeah, a 900 page book from 400 years ago about a guy named D'Artagnan. That's exactly what an 11 year old child wants. Not a, not just an 11 year old child, an 11 year old Romulan child. So this would sound like complete nonsense to him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like, uh, like, like yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I love fucking Ancient Earth French black literature. What? Yeah. No. Like, it was, there would be nothing he could relate to, really. Like, he would not understand anything that was in the book. Like, like he's like, who are the French? Yeah, see, <laughs> see like, it might have made sense if uh, if he was, like, actually Romulan and he gave him, like, um, the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Because the Count of Monte Cristo is about vengeance. And what mm. did the Romulans love more than anything? Vengeance. Hell yeah. Inspiring. But fucking... Three Musketeers makes no sense on any level. No. It's stupid. A fucking Romulan kid fucking three, four hundred years in the future isn't going to want that. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. Read it and it'll just sound like nothing to him. But, you know, whatever. He'll, maybe he'll maybe he'll learn something about French history. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Zenny rebukes Elnor's excited reactions, saying that Picard is not fond of emo- emotional displays of children. Who is Picard reassures Elnor that he's actually very fond of him, promising to read the book with Elnor later on. 
Picard thanks Zanny and the Quoat Milat for their recent help in successfully relocating over 10,000 new refugees, and says the Federation is in debt to them. He also gives Zanny some sweet Hanifak as a gift, after she says uh, that a promise is a prison, and tells um, Elnor not to be Picard's jailer. But isn't that all what they do? Is that their whole thing? They pr- yeah, they, they promise people <laughs> that they're going to help them. Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. So it's, but it's like, a prison. So like so they so they recognize that promises are prison yet. F- let, that That's whole the thing, only thing they give. That the thing they give is like promise. Yeah. What, what is going on here? I, I mean, I don't I don't I don't like the quality. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what's going on here. Bad script writing. <laughs> That's what's going on. That's what's happening. That's it. Yeah. Bad. It's not even like leave something to be desired. This is specifically bad writing that doesn't make sense. No. Um, and and then we are establishing that like yeah, Picard has canonically hated kids. Mm-hmm. Like even when he was like you know forced to work with them. Yeah. In that one episode uh, where they they escape from the elevator, like he still had like this this cold standoffishness, even yeah. though he was opening. The, he does kind of open himself up with them. But yeah, but know. but suddenly here he's like, oh, I'm gonna teach this kid fencing and read fucking old French shit to him. Yeah, what? And, and cuddle with him too. Yeah, which <laughs> sus. Yeah, hmm. sus. Yeah, it's like an orphan child. Oh, I don't like kids. I just have sex with them. <laughs> um, and yeah, he as I said, he did look like he was dressed for sex tourism. Probably doing a fucking uh, Rush Limbaugh going to the Dominican Republic with a fucking suitcase full of Viagra, <laughs> which happened. Did he do that? I never heard that the, story. The TSA caught him with a literal suitcase full of Viagra going to the Dominican Republic. Holy fuck. Which is like sinister. Like there's n- like, especially because like the Dominican Republic is heavily known for like sex trafficking. Like, yeah. We know what he was doing. <laughs> Damn, we know what he was doing. Damn, was this was this near the end of his life? Was he yeah, like? She was like in 2010 or something like that. Wow, wow, what a fucking asshole. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, asshole. Not just an asshole, a fucking monster. Yeah, he's a monster. Like I, yeah, he's in hell and dying. <laughs> I mean, the sad thing is, there hell doesn't exist because yeah. something needs to happen to people like him after they die. And it's a real shame that, like, he just dies and gets away with it by going to eternal blackness. Yeah. That fucking sucks. And was not punished in life. That fucking sucks so yeah, he, much. He went completely unpunished in life. Yeah. All he, he, all he did is get fucking lung cancer at the end, which, like, yeah. ha you got lung cancer, something the fucking Cubans have a fucking vaccine for, you dumb piece of shit. Ha, 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 ha. He had Ben Garrison <laughs> draw him entering the pearly gates and stuff like that, <laughs> which was really funny. Amazing. So, as they eat and speak, Picard notes how it must be difficult for Elnor being the only boy in a house full of women, as the Co-op Malat is, by tradition, an all-female organization. Zanny agrees that Elnor is loved but does not belong with them. Picard promises that he will find a more suitable place for Elnor to live as soon as he can. How can he not find a place for one child to live? I don't understand this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also you're an admiral in Starfleet. Yeah. Like they found a place for fucking Alexander to go. <laughs> also, it's like, why is that? 
that and that responsibility fall on him like 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 it seems because to, he made a promise it seems to take a auto- it, se- it takes autonomy away from like the romulans doing anything like you know why, why, why there's no romulans other romulans that live on this like and also like when they get when it shows this place it seems like a literal paradise it shows like little you know little uh, butterflies flying around it's very nature centric so yeah oddly the uh, uh i'm sorry a kawatma lot like compound or wherever they're at is like a paradise but the rest of the planet seems to be a desert planet <laughs> yeah. somehow well like also like when initially like um and um before like they go back like it shows it kind of like being kind of chill mm-hmm. and and that's why it's like okay well like you know why is why are no why did no other romulans like step up and like home home elnor that's a great question <laughs> like in presumably they a lot of people lost a lot when you know romulus exploded mm-hmm. and it's just like oh no one no one need no one needs a child like yeah right and, and this planet seems to be you know have you know grow things you know it seems like yeah. they have pretty much all the same comforts they I had mean, do, do they because like i mean everyone's so mad uh at some point that like picard abandoned them so which tells me this planet kind of sucks yeah but at the same time at this point in a post-scarcity society that shouldn't happen like literally they can drop them off on the planet and give them like two giant material replicators and be like yeah fucking make your own shit do whatever you want yeah yeah do fucking make your own future this is you now and like and just leave they'd be fine like with material replicators like we we have gotten beyond (laughs) the reasons why this planet would suck yeah like we and they also like you would assume like also like all the romulan warbirds are still intact that's true. Like, 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 I don't understand why the Romulan there's. That's a very good point. The Romulan warbirds have to be intact. And, and like, aside from that, like the Romulan star empire is large. Yeah. They didn't have to go into Federation space. Like they're on multiple planets. And yeah. No, straight up. Like, I, I don't think the supernova like destroyed any more than like a couple planets within the original, uh, Romulus system, right? Yeah, yeah, and so, but it, but it makes it seem as though like they literally lost everything. Exactly, as, I know, as, as if like their their ships are not like you know self so, uh, self sustaining ecosystems themselves. The, their ships, the Romulan warbirds, are literally better than <laughs> any fucking Federation ship at this point, mm-hmm. unless we're including stuff like the Proto Star or whatever. Yeah, they run on a singularity drive, which is far beyond the Federation's capabilities or te- mm-hmm. not technological understanding. Yeah, and somehow the Federation is the one saving this race. Like, mm-hmm. how how can they not save themselves? I don't get it. And even still, like there was like like it was mostly just like picard's influence mm-hmm. and like for some reason the federation was just like ant- antagonistic to really helping them more which which, is, which i understand because they had been at war for a hundred years yeah they had been at war but they're but they're allies during the um dominion war that's true and that's true and um o- and, only at the end though yes yeah. i mean they're yeah there there's a uh, yeah they were still very untrusting allies mm-hmm. they were allies because otherwise they would have been fucking destroyed but this is like would, wouldn't been like you know Starfleet and the Federation, their main 
one of their main goals is you you know humanitarianism mm-hmm. and and just like in helping so like to, there we go racist human centric <laughs> shit once again humanitarianism oh, yeah. how about romulanitarianism Rom- thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> so like this would be like a ripe opportunity to really bring the romulans into the fold and be like yeah we will give so, you whatever you need because so, obviously it's all free right so at this point this is the time in which you say hey romulans we have had a very troubled past, but we are helping you here. How would you like to join the Federation? Yeah, let's bury the what hatchet. Are the, what other fucking choice do the Romulans have? Yeah. Their seat of government has been destroyed. The Federation is now allowed to go into their territory. So the neutral zone and their like their physical space no longer really exists. Yeah. Somehow this supernova destroyed like multiple star systems which really doesn't make any fucking sense and uh, all all of the romulan warbirds for some reason yeah it, it has destroyed the entirety of romulan society which is spread out on an area as big as the federation was yeah so like it's it's like fucking konos like getting destroyed and suddenly all of the klingons and their worlds are gone yeah it doesn't make any fucking sense no. like it's a star empire mm-hmm. there's many planets yeah it don't make sense. Don't make no sense. Which I and that's the thing is like, I know Michael Chabon has never like watched any Star Trek series all the way through because his writing tells me he doesn't give a fuck about Star Trek because mm-hmm. none of it like matches up with any continuity anywhere else. No, it's all him being like, like watching. I think I think he legitimately watched the four TNG films mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah, if that. I think maybe he got a fucking someone to like take notes on it and, mm-hmm. and give it to him. And I'm, and, and I can't tell if like also like Picard's yeah, and like all those other things. And also like, Picard, like a lot of this is also influenced from Patrick Stewart himself since he's a producer on it. Yeah. And also it just includes like, you know, all of his like, it, it, I mean it could, but the thing is, uh, Patrick Stewart was invited onto this by, um, uh, fucking, not JJ, um, fucking, um, uh, yeah. Why can't I think of his name? Um, the the head guy for all this. Um, uh, Kurtzman. Yeah, Alex Kurtzman and um Michael Chabon first. Shabana. Shabana, uh, first like got together and he pitched it to Kurtzman and Kurtzman's like, yes, I love that idea. Mm. And so they brought Patrick Stewart in. The story goes, it was just like a meeting room and it's just the two of them. And they have Patrick Stewart come in and he sits down and for the next like half an hour. Michael Chabon explains his entire story to him. And he's like, so are you on board? And Patrick Stewart is like, yes. Mm. So yeah. here's the thing. I don't, whenever I explain something to an 80 year old mm-hmm. or, or older, I uh, usually don't ask for their permission. I go to the person who has power of attorney over them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because 80 year olds probably shouldn't make be making all of their decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I wouldn't trust Patrick Stewart to drive a car. I d- I don't know. If, no, uh, but I would ex uh, I would expect him to uh, drive uh, his character straight into the fucking ground, <laughs> like uh, the the Enterprise D in um, uh, Next Generations. Generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next yeah, generation. Generations. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Enterprise is landing. <laughs> Yay! Uh, we we just have to make a shirt that says the Enterprise is landing, and it's just like <laughs> it crashing to the ground in generations, right? Like that—that's that has to be done. <laughs> or, 
who else claps when it lands or something. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that, that, that will that will be season three, just like it landing, just into the into into the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if they like specifically made a thing where the Enterprise did land just so they could sell more T-shirts. <laughs> I would I would find someone to execute. Like someone has to be held accountable for this shit. <laughs> So Elnor and Picard, in the meantime, bond with each other in multiple ways. As Picard reads The Three Musketeers and gives Elnor fencing lessons with sticks. The reading, Him reading it, like, all excited, like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was supposed to be cute, but it was really weird to me. It was very weird. Like, he's like, and then, and then, and then, you know, and I was just like, oh, this is just weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, like, Picard... You know, we've seen we've seen Picard read. Like he doesn't read like a fucking dork like that. No, Picard reads alone by himself and does not want to be disturbed. Yeah, and that and that's a big thing. It was like he was like, what like you know he wouldn't beam down to the people. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he's like he's very he's you know he's very he's introverted personally, but he's like you know he's a huge diplomat and that's and he wouldn't like he. He wouldn't seek out this sort of like praise and everything else that they depict him. Thinking about it, something that strikes me kind of strange is in TNG, Picard spends a great deal of time alone. Yeah, he does. And thinking about Star Trek Picard, I can't think of a single scene where Picard is actually alone and doesn't interact with anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really happens like at all. No. And I think, I, I think that, you know, I think that is kind of influenced by Patrick Stewart a bit because, mm-hmm. like, because I don't, because I, and I think also like people like don't not understanding introverts mm-hmm. in a way, like you know, just like you know, of course that he wants to be with everyone, but yeah, he doesn't. He his no. his 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 is his ideal time spent is is reading, you know, self reflection mm-hmm. and just kind of like doing his own thing. Yeah, and he's totally fine with that. On his vacation to Risa, mm-hmm. all I want. Is to be alone and read my book. Yeah. That's but, it. That's but, all he wants in life. And it's not a character flaw. No. I don't think it's a character flaw at all. And No, it's it's actually a good thing, and it makes him the person he is. It informs mm. who he is. Like, because he is so wrapped up in stories and mm-hmm. ideas, mm-hmm. he's wrapped up in ethical quandaries from the past, and so that's how he behaves. Like, yeah. he's a captain who behaves like a British lawyer from, like, the 19th century, yeah. which is its own thing entirely, <laughs> and pretty cool because he's a space lawyer. Like, mm-hmm. basically, at the end of almost every single TNG episode, mm-hmm. fucking Picard has a big monologue where he gives an ethical conundrum and explains his way of thinking about it and why humanity thinks about it this way and, like, mm-hmm. how it will make a better future and shit like that. And it's great. Yeah. But that's because he's an introvert and he's fucking thinking of things. Like, yeah. And there's a big difference here in Picard in that he doesn't, like, give big speeches. And when he does, they're just very emotional. They're emotionally wrought. Yeah. And that's all they really have. They don't really have a fucking point to them. And mm-hmm. they don't have, like an ethical or moral point like he used to do. Like he, Mm -mm. it's not like tying up the episode and saying, Oh, here's what we were trying to say with this story. Yeah. He doesn't do that at all. I don't even know what the fuck Picard is saying all of the time. No. Like even when they fucking shove it in my face, I'm like, 
Yeah, but the way you said it didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it just sounds like grandpa rambling. It sounds like the um, Abe Simpson, like, tied <laughs> an onion to my belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> because, well, I mean, that was the fashion at the time. That was the fashion <laughs> at the time. And you're just like, okay, grandpa. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's just like, and then just shuffle him along. And, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very, yeah, yeah. I hate this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Newspaper headline: Old man yells at stars. <laughs> yeah, old, man, old, old man yells at stars. Yeah, that's that's basically uh, basically Picard in a yeah. nutshell. Um, so Picard tries to uh, no no. So Elnor and Picard in the meantime bond with each other in multiple ways. As Picard reads the Three Musketeers and gives Elnor fencing lessons, uh, they are enjoying their time together when Raffi Musiker unexpectedly hails Picard. Picard tries to disregard the call, but is suddenly disturbed by what he hears and responds. What do you mean synths have attacked Mars? <laughs> the second Sith has hit Mars, sir. Yeah, it's just like the laziest exposition. Yeah. Um, it's like, what? Oh my God. So informed of the devastating attack, Picard leaves earlier than anticipated. Picard meets with the nuns and assures them that he intends to make sure the mission to evacuate the Romulans moves forward as planned, and promises he will be back soon. Elnor just watches, hidden behind some curtains, as Picard beams away while walking very quickly. Which you pointed out, and I actually didn't notice it first, but, like, it does bother me a lot. It's so stupid. It does Like, why, like it's like, like, you don't need to walk away. Like, it was, I guess, for dramatic effect to to be walking as, as he's being beamed up, but it was really dumb because you're being beamed into a transporter bay, mm-hmm. which is like a lifted stage. <laughs> you don't know which of the transporter, like little areas you're going to be put into. So you could be walking directly off the stage or directly into a wall. <laughs> yeah. it, it's stupid. It's, it's very it was, stupid. It was so dumb. There was, it's completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, and also like, that's another thing they also show. And like, um, and, and Picard, like the uh, transporter doorways that people are just walking in and out of, mm-hmm. like it doesn't seem like there's any regulation on 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 who's going into what. No. So what's to prevent some people from walking into each other or or like or <laughs> getting some like the fly type shit? Yeah, no, doing the sick. fly type shit because I feel that's I feel that doesn't make sense personally. Like it just like you just walk through the doorway, but also on the other side. There's just like unrestricted people just walking in and out as well, and so like people could walk into into it just as you're coming out. Are are you really looking to Star Trek Picard for answers? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like I don't know if anyone really thought this through because like I've like I I know that no one thought this through. <laughs> I can give you that answer. Yeah, if you want? Yeah, they just thought it looked cool. Like oh yeah, of course in the future people are just transported through these doorways and but yeah and. Doesn't there's no like you know wait turn waiting or anything like that and there's no one operating the transporter either. No. But, uh, nope. In twenty three ninety nine, the Lost Arena starts its warp drive as Captain Cristobal Rios sits on the bridge reading the tragic sense of life, uh, which is also up on the Picard um, auction right now. Oh. Okay. While sitting in his chair, when Doctor Agnes Girardi greets him. She attempts to engage him in conversation while he silently reads. Uh, she notes that she finds traveling through space very boring and wonders why they call it space instead of a bunch of stuff. Um, 
Because that's fucking stupid, Girardi. <laughs> it is very stupid. And, uh, I mean, this is the point where I just, like, got fucking livid at the writing. And this, this is the point... I want to say this moment right here in this scene right here made me decide to start this podcast like a mm-hmm. year before I actually started it. Yeah. Because the dialogue here is fucking intolerable. Yes, it is. Nobody talks like this to each other. Like basically Especially pe- like these people who literally live in this world and have like an understanding of, of space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and just a general idea of science. And then there's like, you know, talking in these very moronic terms. So, so it's, <laughs> it goes beyond that. I feel like, cause it's, um, you do okay with your mic. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's keeps, it keeps shifting around. Oh, shoot. Uh, let me just pull it up. Cause it's Got it? Oh, cool. Got it. Yeah, there we go. That's looking a lot much better. Got it. Hell yeah. So anyway, so um I I I hate this dialogue. Um Gerardi, so how do I put this? Soy dialogue. Yes. Is is the idea that you can write dialogue that in the past would only have been given to socialized, affable, charming, and or extroverted people. Mm-hmm. However, now they're giving it entirely to introverted, weird type characters. Yeah, it's like everyone's a manic pixie dream girl. Right. And so as written by Josh Whedon. Right. And so and so <laughs> you used to have banter. You used to have like mm-hmm. a charming person and a not charming person or two charming people or whatever, like talking with each other. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, quick dialogue and like, they're saying stuff that real people would say. Mm-hmm. And it's believable because at least one of these characters is actually kind of an outward extroverted type person. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, Rios, obviously introverted, trying to read a book. Yeah. Gerardi, obviously very intro- introverted and very interested in science and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she just comes up to him and starts just, pouring shit on him yeah just having like verbal diarrhea verbal diarrhea and it's just like she's just thinking out loud about like science and space and stuff and it's like something that no one in their right mind especially a scientist like her someone who's supposed to be very smart would ever do Mm -hmm. like my brother is a doctor and a professor he is Mm -hmm. surrounded by very smart people a lot of his friends are professors and stuff like that there is not a single person i've ever met who is su- supposedly as smart as Gerardi, who behaves like a fucking child like yeah. that. She behaves like a goddamn child. Yeah. It. Oh, my God. She won't shut the fuck up. Josh Whedon and his dialogue have been a disaster for the human race. They have. Gonna be, that's going to be the name of my manifesto. Hell yeah. Because, yeah, it's like people have just been replicating that sort of, like, banter. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Well, how, how about this? Uh, Buffy, the script writer killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. This dialogue is like, and really this scene I feel is completely pointless. Uh huh. Except because, and, and that's, and I, and I feel that's kind of like one of the drawback. One oh, of the, it's, 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 it's not pointless. It's for us to determine that, uh, Gerardi won't shut the fuck up and she's yeah. annoying and a terrible character. Mm-hmm. And Rios is like fucking Reddit pilled fedora guy who likes to read old books about the futility of life and nihilism. <laughs> and yeah, that's like um, what I feel like 
like I feel that's like one of the um, drawbacks of this show mm-hmm. is the fact that they have so many different plot threads. And since mm-hmm. it's a continuous uh, 10 story arc and they have all these plot threads. And even though like this is completely pointless to the rest of the story that they're telling in this episode, mm-hmm. they still have to mm-hmm. include it. And for other payback, and it's just like, and right now it just feels stupid. Okay. I think with that, that's a great point, and I think it allows me to express succinctly what I mean. Soy dialogue is levity made completely awkward for the aesthetic of awkwardness. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And I hate it. I fucking hate it. You can do it once or twice in a film or something. People are awkward and it's funny. Yeah. However, when you have a character whose like main character trait is I'm awkward. Yeah. That's not fun to watch. No, that's not fun for anyone to watch. That's not a relatable character. (laughs) Cause like, I don't relate to someone who is that fucking annoying. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they, maybe they're writing it for really fucking annoying people but they don't get that, like, if I hear that, like, a show's good from a really fucking annoying person, I'm not going to watch that fucking show. No. Like, th- they're writing it for the dumbest, worst, oldest people. Yes. It, I don't I don't understand who the fuck the show is for, other than people like us who are interested <laughs> until they actually watch it and hate their lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember being excited for this show. Me, too. And I was then- like, holy shit, they're bringing that back. And then, like, episode one and two, I'm like, okay, Three, I'm like, yeah. And then this episode, uh, you know, I opened up the two drawers. One has a bottle, <laughs> one has a gun. I'm gonna put one in my mouth by the end of the episode. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. This was insufferable. And I mean, we haven't even got to. <laughs> We're in like the first five minutes of the episode. Still, <laughs> we've taken we've taken forty minutes to talk about five minutes of this talk shit fucking episode. <laughs> Uh, let, let's continue. Yeah. So, um, to pass the time, Gerardi mentions she was able to catch up on two years of back issues of the Journal of Theoretical Cybernetics and that she watered Rios's plants and expresses confusion as to why Rios's hollow programs only include Klingon opera, to which he says, it's a long story, which I understand is uh, uh, trying to be levity, but it just brings up questions that are never answered and the joke kind of just falls flat. Also, that also I don't understand. Like, so what? They only load a certain number. Like, 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 why isn't it like accessible? Right. Like, why, is there no like sort of like network that they're part of that they have no communication? Like, they can't. Yeah, they they can't like order some new shit off subspace or something. Yeah. Like they're they're within you know probably the Federation here. They're not that far out of bounds. Yeah. They're, like they can still like hail people and shit like that. So I don't, I don't know why they can't get a new hollow program. That's not Klingon opera. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gerardi then remembers how she used to live with someone who loved reading paper books. She says paper books and how she would bother him when he read them. Rios asks what he did about it. And Gerardi only responds that since the person was her father, he just had to put up with it. Which, uh, if I were her father, I would have killed myself. (laughs) I would have, like, opened up that book and just, like, fucking paper cut my wrists until I bled out. It's like, why don't you go play in the the transporter traffic, darling? Just keep running running in and out until you collide with somebody. (laughs) No, don't worry. It's fun. Um, 
Right then, Raffi angrily enters the bridge after noticing an abrupt change in the navigational log. Demanding to know where they're going, Rios tells her that Picard requested a stop at Vashti on their way to Free Cloud. Hearing that their new destination is to be Vashti, Raffi remarks that it seems Picard cannot take a guilt trip without using a starship. <laughs> I hated that line so much. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it's such an attempt to be clever. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I also just don't like... It's weird when people are just like shit-talking Picard. Mm-hmm. It's like no one would disrespect Picard like that on TNG, but suddenly he's no. But suddenly he's just a fucking doddering old man. Like everyone speaks about Picard with utmost respect on TNG. Yeah, even here, even if they disagree with him on something. Yeah, but here Raffi, someone who's worked for him for her entire Starfleet career, is just like, eh, we're buds. Yeah, we're buds. Fuck you, we're buds. Hey, JL. Yeah. Oh, I I <laughs> hate it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so hearing that, uh, yeah. So meanwhile, Picard is in a holographic recreation of his study back at Chateau Picard, uh, on the Lost Arena still. So he pauses the recreation and the emergency hospitality pro- hologram asks if the program is inaccurate. Now, first off, emergency hospitality program? Since when has hospitality ever been an emergency? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, oh, we, we have an emergency. This bed isn't soft enough. Oh, no. Emergency. We need, we canapes. need more pillows, sir. We need canapes. We need canapes. Yeah, it's like. Not enough doilies on the table. Yeah, this this was really stupid. And I think only and it exists only for, like, uh, Rios' actor. I can't remember his name. Yeah. To just show off his, like, different accents and acting abilities like he's just like you know he likes to do his impressions yep and yeah and, and that's the thing like and that's a, i feel another misunderstanding of i feel like star trek is like when like when people are dealing with the holodeck they just speak directly to the computer they, True. they don't need a face to interact with 100 like they just go computer you know and but and i but you know they need like that sort of like no no that's the thing they need Picard to be interacting with somebody. Yes. Because for some reason in this series, they cannot have Picard alone no. talking to himself. No. Because that would be too, I don't know, TNG? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he would just be like, computer, that's not, you know, I need this right here or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's fucking stupid. So, yeah, he's never alone, you're right. Yeah, never alone. Um. So... The emergency hospitality hologram, I can't say that was a straight face, <laughs> asks if the program is inaccurate and says a Mr. Chabon sent over a list to which Picard replies that everything seems absolutely correct. Mr. Chabon. Chabon. Michael Chabon. Oh, you wrote yourself into Star Trek? Gee, that's cool. <laughs> Fuck you, Michael. You piece of shit. You think you you would imagine he would put like a um an Alan Smithy? What's it? Is an Alan Smithy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so credit Al- on this. Well, th- that's the thing. Alan Smithy, you're not actually not allowed to use that anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, they retired that back in uh, 1998 with the mm. release of uh, Burn Hollywood Burn, an Alan Smithy film. 
Mm. There's a crazy interesting story behind it that I, I'll tell you some other time. Yeah. That's why the, uh, I guess like uh, David Lynch used a, uh, uh, well, David Lynch wanted to, you know, he chose Judas Booth mm-hmm. for his, uh, for Dune. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. It was an interesting film. I mean, yeah, we could talk about that. He originally yeah. intended to be like six hours long, which would have probably ruled. It would have ruled. Yeah. It I mean, need, need... I, I honestly, I like the original Dune. Yeah, it's, I, think, it's, I think it's cool. It's an interesting vision, and it's actually like a good adaptation. It's yeah. pretty faithful. Yeah, um, except for the milking the cat to get the get the antidote for the poison. Yeah, but I masturbate to that part. <laughs> yeah. so. I think that's one of the best scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's like just it's like truly disturbing. Like yeah, you've got to milk this cat every few hours to get your get your <laughs> antidote for your poison. It, it's it. I I do like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 one of those like decisions that like is very David Lynch. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's the most Lynchian part of that film. And it's, as you said, it's one of the best parts of the film. It's, it's fucked up. It's yeah. just like, damn, yeah, like, that, like, is, that is yeah, fucked he's up. He's really milking that He's, he's got to milk that cat. <laughs> he's doing it. <laughs> so, so Picard, meanwhile, is in a holographic... Uh, no, I already got that. So uh, Michael Chabon writes himself into this, and I killed myself. So the emergency hospitality hologram seems pleased, noting that the holoscans that Zabon provided were very detailed and that they were meant to make Picard feel more at home. Picard notes the strange presence of the EHH on the ship, to which the EHH says that while he came with the basic installation, his services on La Serena are very rarely needed. Raffi- yeah, why would you need it? <laughs> Straight up. Like, I can understand an emergency medical hologram since there are medical emergencies mm-hmm. but once again hospitality emergencies <laughs> aren't really a thing yeah not really my guests are dying of embarrassment my <laughs> guests are dying of boredom oh, beautiful. so uh raffi now enters the holodeck inquiring about picard's decision to go to vashti rio centers and expresses his disdain for the emergency hospitality hologram as the hologram then deactivates also, also, I feel this scene is mm-hmm. only a reason so they don't need to have another set. Because yeah. that's because, true. Because, because this is the set from his is the Chateau Picard. You're a hundred percent right. And and because like, why would he like? Why would he need um, the Chateau Picard to feel more at home? Like, why would he need that? He wouldn't want to fucking hang out there. Yeah. Like it's so it's uh, yeah. The only reason they, uh, this scene exists is yeah. Just so they can just like have a, have, have a set for all the characters to interact with. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. And I hate it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the man, the man was a deep space explorer. He doesn't, he feels at home on a fucking starship. Yeah. He feels at home on a starship alone in the emptiness of space. Yeah. But here we're giving him the non emptiness of constant human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that that's not what he wants or needs. Stop stop it, Michael. Yeah, this literally would seem seem like hell to him. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, he's dead. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my he oh my god. He yeah, he's dead and seasons 1, 2 and 3 of Picard are his journey through purgatory. Mm. To actually finally exit through hell at the very end of season three. Wow, he's doing doing a Dante's Inferno type shit. Hell yeah, <laughs> I like this theory. Yeah, me too. So uh, the crew joins Picard for a cup of tea, and the tea set that they use also up for auction. I think it's like five hundred bucks right now. And yeah, that's uh, it. 
it doesn't. It's not that iconic. It doesn't look that great. No, yeah. So. No one would be like, "Is that the tea set from Picard?" And if they did, I would kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Why are you in my house? <laughs> what are you doing here? And I got this gun from down the street. <laughs> uh, so. God, every time I read Raffi's last name, Musiker, I just think like Elon Musiker. <laughs> so uh, the crew joins Picard for a cup of tea, and Raffi states her opinion that going to Vashti is a bad idea, uh, which I could have told him. Uh, Raffi says she's going to be straight with Picard, and he says that will make for a refreshing change, which, whoa. whoa. Let's hit pause. So we learn in season two the Raffi is something of a lesbian. Or even at the end of season one. Remember, she's holding hands with uh, seven and nine. Yeah, she doesn't kiss her until season two, right? Or is it in mm-hmm. the end of season one? No, but it, it kind of implies that they're entering a relationship. They're like, okay. they're like, they're like playing with each other's hands Aww. from across. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um, but still, mm-hmm. I'm going to be straight with you, Picard. That will make for a refreshing change. Yo, you don't say that to a queer. That's fucked up, dude. Yeah. Uh, What the fuck? Picard, homophobic, confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Canceled. Canceled. Oh, God. Season four is just Picard. Picard's the the fucking universal enemy is cancel culture. (laughs) (laughs) If you really think about it, I'm the victim here. (laughs) He has a he has he has like a straight pride sticker on the back of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the people the, the the woke the woke culture is trying to silence me. The woke culture is trying to turn it into the USS Enterprise. <laughs> I won't let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my watch. Uh, so Picard says he bans all copies of Star Trek the motion picture because it has a rainbow on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he only releases in black and white. Uh, Picard says uh, he is as eager to get to Free Cloud as Raffi is, to which she immediately denies being eager. Gerardi then enters the holodeck, and Raffi, in frustration, says that they can go to Vashti. Rios notes that the queerest sector has been sketchy lately with criminal activity. He points out that it's mainly a power vacuum for smugglers and warlords like Kar Kantar, who practically controls the sector with a 23rd century bird of prey. Mm. Uh, Raffi scolds Rios for not telling Picard this information sooner, but Rios simply replies that he figured Picard already knew. Picard notes that the queer sector is in the territory belonging to the Fenris Rangers, only for Rios to correct him that the Rangers no longer control the area due to a lack of resources. So Raffi mentions that Vashti is home to many Romulans of the Romulan Rebirth Movement and doubts that Picard will be successful in getting the services of one of the Coat Milat warrior nuns. Gerardi expresses confusion by what she means, and Raffi tells her that Picard is looking to hire an assassin. Uh, Which again is very unpicard like. Super unpicard. Like this like he would not seek out an assassin. An assassin. No. And really that's what Eleanor is. He's a 100%. fucking he's a fucking murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's no he's a mercenary. Yeah. He's a mercenary. Yeah, he's yeah. a gun, he's a sword for hire. Yeah, and 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 Picard, you know, he's a man who is uh, armed with his wits. 
and and his diplomacy. Like he would he would in I, in TNG. In TNG. <laughs> yes, in TNG. He, I wanna, he, uh, here I would say he's unarmed. He's unarmed. <laughs> and and I think he would he would he would consider it a a personal fallacy mm-hmm. if he were to enter something like he you know he he's not opposed you know he would have like you know security but he wouldn't have someone that you know he didn't feel personally responsible for protecting them i feel like he would mm-hmm. but he wouldn't but he would he would want to go in and you know defuse the situation or right. talk talk through yeah, it yeah so so having like an offensive guard yeah. is definitely a personal fallacy to to uh jean-luc picard himself yeah but Instead, I think he wants Elnor to be his personal phallus. <laughs> I mean, he was he was getting towards I am it. so old and you're so young. Oh, why don't you have a little sip of this of this science juice? We don't call it Jesus juice, we call it science juice. <laughs> <laughs> because we're atheists. But please have a little of this little child, Elnor. It's some some United Federation of Planets punch. <laughs> So Picard clarifies that the nuns are not assassins and that they cannot be hired. They're assassins. And they can be hired. <laughs> and they can be hired. <laughs> uh, so Picard is going. Yeah, like what? Yeah, that's, a whole, that's their whole thing. Like that's. What, they're, that's mercenaries. A, they're mercenaries. They're literally mercenaries. <laughs> and they don't. But that's funny because they also don't get any money. Right. They're just shitty it. mercenaries. They're shitty mercenaries. Like, like how does uh, how does it even like benefit them at all? It's just like a service they do. They're kind of just like, like sort of like just. Well, because it's, I mean, where else are you going to hang out with all the angry fucking lesbian nuns, Romulan nuns, you know? Do they even fuck though? I don't think so. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if it was a bunch of like actual lesbians, like Elnor wouldn't, and Elnor would be super fucking aggro. Yeah. Instead, he's like a very effeminate assassin. (laughs) (laughs) Like. Which is like what happens when you're raised by gay men, not lesbians. Yeah. Yeah. So Picard clarifies that the nuns are not assassins and they can't be hired. Wrong. Picard is going in hopes that one will willingly choose to join him on his mission. Picard talks about his past dealings with the Kuat and how they helped him and uh, Rafi relocate more than a quarter of a million refugees during the evacuations. How? <laughs> They're assassins. How did they help them? How? Well- what? They don't. They don't have spaceships. We've determined. Yeah. How are they helping in an ev- evacuation? Yeah, it's it, it's left it's left vague on how they did it, and like it's not yeah. left vague. It's left completely incomplete. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like if you ask question one about it, you're like, wait. Yeah. Well, where are your spaceships now? Why can't you leave this planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, if you wanted you helped to, all these people relocate to a planet, but you can't help them relocate to another planet. What? Yeah. Yeah. And where are the damn war warbirds? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Yeah. Well, well. So, um Picard says that they are perhaps the most skilled warriors he's ever seen and that even the Tal Shiar fear them. Rios is skeptical of Picard's ambitions to gain their service when it sounds like Picard owes more to them than they would to him. Picard knows that they have their own criteria on whether to give or hold their services for a cause. And he doesn't explain it, which is stupid writing. Yes. Because someone in that room, in any regular conversation, would have been like, what do you mean? But mm-hmm. instead, they're just like, 
I'm going to let you be insanely vague. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, I mean, all of our lives to hang in your balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that's another thing. Like with Picard, he's also very open. Like, well, TNG Picard, TNG Picard is open about, and he also, he also does listen to Mm -hmm. the suggestions of of the people that are with him. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he make, he does the final say, but he takes suggestions Mm -hmm. and, and he listens and he's open about what he's doing. Like, that's one thing. He doesn't bullshit anybody. No. And now, yeah, here it's like, but yeah, it's just being vague for this for the purpose of the story. Yeah, where it's like, well, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Shitty writing, shitty writing. Fuck yourself, Michael Chabon. <laughs> Chabon. So Picard is also confident that the nuns will find their cause worthy. Excuse me, noting that even if they don't, the way of absolute candor will bind them to let him know. Picard resumes the holographic recreation and Raffi approaches him and tries to reason with him. She understands that Dodge's death is making Picard think of Elnor and asks that they focus on one thing at a time and for them to get the f- to free cloud before going to Vashti. However, Picard tells her that they will still go since he may not ever get the chance to come this way again. I don't think he's ever going to get the chance to come again. I mean, he do. As we see in Picard season two. No, I don't think he can get that shit up. He's a robot now. I still don't think he can get that shit up. I think he can. I bet it twirls. I bet it rotates. He's <laughs> like that guy you told me about, the little guy who like puts his dick in and spins. Yeah, spins. <laughs> yeah, Except it's that he doesn't need to spin. His dick just spins <laughs> independently. Spins her around. <laughs> he spins her around. <laughs> <laughs> like a pottery wheel. <laughs> and it's a pneumatic. It like he's you know he's old you know he's he's, even though he's a robot he still has the physicality of an old man so but except for his dick you know it's pneumatic so it can just go in and out and he doesn't have to do anything he just stands still (laughs) (laughs) i am so i'm so old just stand just bend over and i'll just stand behind you oh here comes the gravy pipe (laughs) Here comes Mr. Meatloaf. <laughs> With extra ketchup. Oh, that's blood. Oh, that's blood. <laughs> <laughs> Please hit my medical alert bracelet. <laughs> or my prostate. Or my care. prostate. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming, Jesus. I'm, I'm coming. coming. <laughs> I'm, coming. <laughs> I'm coming science. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming science. Here comes science juice. <laughs> Here comes the science juice. <laughs> Here comes the fourth vaccine. <laughs> Moderna. Um, so uh, Picard exits the holodeck and heads for his quarters to masturbate. On the artifact, Soji is watching a holograph projection of an old Romulan talk show while she arranges Pixmic cards. Oh, by the way, for those uninitiated, the artifact is a decommissioned, like abandoned Borg station mm-hmm. that the Romulans are working on. Uh, and it's kind of unclear what they're doing. They're doing like scientific research and stuff like that. Mm. So and yeah, but yeah, like that's, 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 well, I mean, I guess like, you know, the, the Romulans on this planet are different, mm-hmm. but I guess maybe that's why, I mean, I guess like there's the, they're bad Romulans and the Romulans that are on this planet that are supposed to be good. How? They're from the exact same society. Yeah, and I don't understand how, like, the Romulans have these big space projects, like, on, like, a decommissioned Borg cube, (laughs) and, like, basically all the workers are Romulans. Mm -hmm. However, like, there's also this planet where they just kind of abandon a bunch of Romulans. 
Well, I think it is. I wonder if it is because, like, as they, they said, like, these, these Romulans are supposedly different and have a different viewpoint than those other ones. Like, not entirely sure. <laughs> what's what's the viewpoint? Are, like, some, like, pro-taking help from the Federation and others aren't? Yeah, maybe. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, but it is weird. Like, there is no, there's very little remnants like even with like you know the evil you know I can't remember what the fuck his name is. Oh, um, fucking uh, I yeah the Romulan guy. Yeah, the guy uh, who looks like he's like Ro- a- Rom uh Rodma. Wait, Ro- Rom Romda. Romda, yeah, Ramda. it's like yeah, oh, you no, th- no Narek, 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 yeah, that's right, Narek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think like there would be some sort of like like keeping like the traditions of the Romulans and something like you see like on the planet there's like some people that still have like the Romulan haircut. Mm-hmm. But like, no suits or anything, and these are supposedly like the spy, the spy ones, you know, the evil Tal Shiar and shit. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, uh, in the projection, uh, Ramda is talking about Gan Madan, and Ramda is the one I think who told Soji she was the destroyer or whatever. Yeah, you're the destroyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, some cra- some lady who everyone thinks is crazy, but she's actually like kind of clairvoyant or something like that. I don't um, so they're talking about uh, Ganmadon, which the Romulans say is the day of annihilation. Also, I just watched the movie Annihilation. Amazing. Oh, I love that movie. Love that. Like Alex, what's his name? Alex, the, the guy who directed that movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Deus Ex and Men. Mm-hmm. I actually watched all three of those films in the past like three weeks, although yeah. I've, I'd seen Deus Ex before, but they're ama- all of them are great. Men is really interesting and disturbing if mm-hmm. you haven't seen that i'd recommend it it's weird mm. as fuck weird as fuck and this way i just read i was a few months ago mm-hmm. i think a month yeah i watched a uh, stalker which is like the uh, andre tartavosky movie mm-hmm. uh made in the 70s that is i guess like they based annihilation on because it's very interesting it's very like i was watching i'm like oh shit this is this is fucking uh annihilation oh. <laughs> except it's Except it's very long and there's not a lot of weird shit that happens. But it, but it does kind of have the same sort of like, you know, concept as Annihilation. I mean, so does like Under the Dome by Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few things that kind of do. Mm-hmm. Also the Simpsons movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Annihilation really stole the Simpsons movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, Annihilation rocks. Uh, so La Serena reaches Vashti where they are met with a planetary defense system uh, that the Fenris Rangers had helped install. Raffi calls the system primitive, but effective. She notes that every 30 minutes, the shield opens up for interstellar traffic with clearance, and that ships without clearance are immediately fired upon. She's also been able to get the clearance to pass, saying that even when she said that Picard was aboard, the Romulans were rather unimpressed. Mm. Rio suggests that they offer a cash gift instead. What cash, dude? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So Picard beams down to Vashti's Romulan relocation hub. Doesn't really explain because they were just talking about how it's hard to get clearance to pass, so they don't explain this. No, yeah, it's it's something that's like, yeah, it's like it introduced. Is, they they literally talk about it in the scene before and then just disregard it, and he beams down. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's another thing that's like... I don't know if they cut out a scene or something, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And obviously, like, there is, like, free interstellar trade that comes to this planet. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like what what's what's going on like what is the problem i don't know like <laughs> like they're clearly getting supplies mm-hmm. like like for whatever reason they're not being given replicators i don't know. like which replicators seem pretty like you know standard standard yeah it's basically like you know us having a fucking microwave like most houses most places mm-hmm. you, if you rent or you know whatever you come with a fucking microwave in it mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. buy one yeah it's super fucking weird man yeah <laughs> so picard beams down to vashti's romulan relocation hub he's shocked to see that in the past 14 years so i guess it's been 14 years since he's been to the planet i thought it was only nine but mm-hmm. it's been 14 years the hub has not fared well while still heavily populated by Romulan refugees, the settlement suffers from poverty, degradation, and ethnic strife. <clears throat> so, let's go through these. <laughs> poverty. How? Yeah, I don't I don't understand like like well is the poverty wouldn't the poverty be like a issue with their with their state government or like yeah. whoever is their leader because you never see like who is actually leading right and so the this this community well you do because like one of the guys introduces himself as a former senator yeah but so. yeah for, but a former senator and and the former Romulan Star Empire right like right. who is who is in control of this community right now I mean I guess we assume the Federation since they're the people who dropped them there. However, at the same time, it takes away a whole lot of, I don't know, Romulan agency Yeah. to where they're in a galaxy full of starships that can, you know, go warp speed and full of like, you know, stuff that makes it so the society is like post-scarcity. Mm-hmm. However, somehow in 14 years, they have not been able to access any of that, which doesn't make sense. And there's, and, but they, but and that's the thing then, but they have this incredible um um planet wide um shield. shield right and and also like the capabilities of of dest- of destroying any plant any uh ship that comes unannounced right. so it's like so it it'd be like if israel were as poor as palestine it doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any fucking sense yeah and so it's like well okay so this th- this has to be an issue from the top down mm-hmm like who who's well who's controlling those missiles who's controlling that that shield right and because wh- they're obviously putting all of their resources to planetary defense mm-hmm. and none towards i mean and uh, i mean that's very much like america yeah <laughs> but like um but still it's like uh but i mean i mean it's dude i don't think the romulans have sort of a capitalist system as that but right. but it's just like it just seems very it, it's it's there's a stark difference to what, what to everything that's going on here. Like yeah. if, if it would be one thing yet yeah, to not have that sort of like spaceship thing at all. Mm-hmm. And like, they are on like a resource resource depleted planet mm-hmm. where they can't rebuild. But, and even but at the same time, like that doesn't matter because as we see in star Wars all the time, mining operations happen everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also like, replicators are a very common mm-hmm. standard thing to have. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well they can't, 
replicate what they need. There, no one's given for whatever reason. No one is giving them fucking replicators. Mm-hmm. I feel that's like the first thing you would give them, right? And so, and so, <laughs> you know, you said there's the two kind of groups of Romulans here, mm-hmm. the ones that are out, you know, on the fucking the the uh, relic, and you know, who obviously have a bunch of technology and a bunch of means, mm-hmm. and then the ones on this planet. Uh, and for some reason, the ones on this planet are all mad at Picard for putting them there and not the Romulans who have things that won't help them. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I don't understand it at all. None of this makes any sense when you think about it. Yeah. And that's another reason why Picard would be dealing directly with the heads of state. Also, ethnic strife. (laughs) So an ethnicity is part of the same species Mm -hmm. that is like, you know, has as marked difference from each other. Are there like racist Romulans that are racist towards other Romulans here? Well, there is like, you know, different kinds of Romulans. You see like the right. ones with just that just look like Vulcans. Sure. But, and then like but, the others that look like the uh, vampires but, from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But, but Romulans seem to have no problem with other Romulans here. In as much, Picard goes to a bar where they have a sign that says Romulans only. It doesn't specify what type of Romulans. And they're all drinking together. Yeah, and they're all drinking together. So it's obvious the ethnic strike here is anti-human, mm-hmm. but there are no other humans on this planet. Yeah. It's just Picard. So there's no mm-hmm. ethnic strife. It's just they hate Picard. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. No ethnic strife. There's no... what. Like, if you're going to say this place has poverty, they kind of showed poverty. Degradation, they kind of showed that. Ethnic strife, they did not show that. No. Like, they showed that they hate Picard. That's it. Yeah, and really- one human. It's really, it's like, it's like uh, telling us, but not showing us. Right. Which is bad writing. Yeah, bad writing, because, like, you kind of don't understand what, like, what is happening on this planet. Like, why is it, why, why is it so miserable? Like we understand that they're that they've been, you know, been displaced. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously that sucks, but also they're in the <clears throat> in this future society where that's kind of not inconsequential. Inconsequential. It's, it's like how are they able to provide say they can provide the Maquis? Like during wartime, during the Dominion War, mm-hmm. they guarantee the Maquis like different placement. Yeah. Right? And you know, they say, Hey, we're gonna relocate you. They're able to do that, but fucking in 14 years, the Federation is unable to help out one planet. Mm-hmm. They ev- like, what the fuck? Yeah. None of this makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. unless the only way it would really make sense if they actually showed a future where like Starfleet or the Federation was like crumbling, mm-hmm. but it's not like Starfleet's no. doing just fine. Yeah. Better than ever. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean... It's it's very confusing. It is. And so the writing just fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, if anything, the one way they could have maybe done this really well is if, like, the Borg had taken over a bunch of Federation planets or something. Mm -hmm. Because the Borg are such a big threat that, like, if the Borg are in space near you, you can't freely travel space. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't, like, you know help these people, it would make sense why that shield is up over their planet. Yeah. You know, it would explain a lot of things, but yeah, the, not this, at all. This, the, the having the shield, yeah. Doesn't and know, and then also, like, they have clearly, pl- like, food, like, you know, it shows, it shows them cooking multiple times, mm-hmm. like, later on, you know, and, yeah. like, baking breads and everything else, and they have, like, you know, bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the problem? <laughs> what is, like, you don't, it doesn't establish... Uh, the problem? 
uh, it's poverty, degradation, ethnic strife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's understandable that they are, I guess there would be like grief and depression among the people and they could be lost because they did lose, you know, they're standing in the, in the, in the quadrant. Like they were like, you know, big dick warriors, you know, they were just like, you know, they had the Federation on its toes and now they are in a situation that where they are, um, you know, they're, they are ha- having to like, you know, you know, um, uh, accept help and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they are in, and, but, and also like, so the only reason I think they could actually have like poverty, ethnic strife and degradation is because of this person that they mentioned earlier, this fucking like, um, this pirate or like whatever, I forget, I forget his name. Oh yeah. Car, Cartus. Yeah. Yeah. That shit. But it's like, you know, uh, they should be mad at him. Yeah. It was not Picard. Who's like making it. So they have to build a fucking shield around their planet. Cause it's constantly being attacked. It's the fucking that guy. Yeah. And the shield, the shield like seems cool as fuck. Like you don't, you don't see other planets with that thing. No, you don't. Especially when you, especially when in Star Trek, when you do find a planet that is suffering, um, suffering like some, um, you know, um, material depletion or, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just like in poverty, like they don't have a fucking (laughs) like, like planetary defense system. No, no. Even earth doesn't have a planetary defense system. No. Which doesn't make any sense. It does have, does have a lot of starships around it though. Yeah, but it's still like it has starships around it, but like fucking uh, Star Trek Four, that doesn't that doesn't prevent shit from from being saved, mm-hmm. you know. And and also and 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 really, they when they depict this planet, like it does show it like that they that that there's like trees. It does seem like a like a like a almost paradise. Like that's how they depict it a lot of times. O- only where the Quillot. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot well, even there is that one when they first land, when that does the establishing shot, when they when Picard first beams down there in the beginning, like it does oh, yeah. do an but establishing. That, that was fourteen years ago. Oh, but yeah. there's been degradation since then. Also, <laughs> poverty and ethnic strife. Yes, which which we don't see the ethnic strife except I guess when they don't want, no, you know, Picard in their bar. <laughs> Indeed. So unlike the last time Picard was here, Romulans almost totally ignore his presence and his overtures as he attempts to greet some of them. A few eye him in contempt from afar. One even signals another Romulan through a communicator when he sees Picard. Picard makes his way to the house of the Quat where he sees Zani. He greets her, and though surprised to see him, she and the other sisters return his greeting. Picard is happy to see her and tells her that though he knows he has no right to ask, that he needs her help one last time. A loud crash is suddenly heard, and a grown-up Elnor dashes through the curtains, apologizing before he realizes Picard is standing before him. (laughs) The man who took his innocence. Soji (laughs) is monitoring Ramda as Ramda lays on a biobed unconscious. Narek enters and notes how Ramda has always been tormented, saying that he isn't surprised she attempted suicide. Soji doesn't understand why she feels drawn to her, but blames herself for Ramda's outburst, saying that it was something about her that disturbed Ramda. And when Ramda saw her, she felt seen. They go to the mess hall and share a bottle of Romulan ale, and Soji admits that Narek's mysterious nature challenges her, uh, her better senses she asks N- narek how 
he knew she would go to the disordered ward, to which Narek denies that he knew it all. She asks if Narek has been watching her, which he also denies. <laughs> Soji notes his lack of uniform, insignia, and rank, and that he has an unusual amount of information, especially for a Romulan on the station, can go wherever he pleases on the artifact, leading her to the conclusion that he is working for the Tal Shiar. Narek denies this as well, though he admits that if he was Tal Shiar, he would also deny it. Mm-hmm. So, Soji asks Trying to him, do like a Garrick type thing there. Yeah, or, uh, you know, like uh, two paths. Uh, one, 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 the guy, the head of one, only tells the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one only tells a lie. <laughs> um, so, Soji asks uh, him about the Shinor, but he claims not to know anything, saying that he's sure the Borg databases contain those records. Soji says those records are classified and asks if he has access to them, which Narek says he doesn't, but might know someone who does. Narek then takes her, uh, he says, uh, come with me, I want to show you um, Borg ritual. And Soji's like, Borgs don't do rituals. And he's like, that's what they tell you. And uh, they walk to one of the cube's ventilation shafts. While they walk there, they talk about Ramda and how Soji learned to speak fluent Romulan. Narek concludes that she had to leave, uh, she had to have learned it sometime before May 12th, 2396, when Soji left for the Beta Quadrant aboard the Ellison. Soji confirms that Narek has indeed been watching her. I hate this dialogue so much. Yeah. I hate that specific shit where they're like, oh, well, you did this and this and this and this. I'm like, no. No and, one and, talks and like he, that. And he's also not doing himself any favors to seem like he's just like... He's just seeming like a fucking creep. A, yeah, yeah. A plain, I'm a plain, simple creep. And like instead he's like being like, oh yes, I know exactly what date you left this and so, time. And, right, and so Narek, his purpose here, um, basically him and his sister are both uh, trying to... Like he's supposed to um, basically... Like gain Soji's confidence, mm-hmm. and through that, either like brainwash her or like get her to tell him some way where the planet where all the fucking positronic androids are being made, so the Romulans can then go and destroy that planet. Yes. Um, which is like, if you're trying to get information out of someone, why would you fucking be a creep to them? Yes. It's weird. Yeah, it doesn't. It it lacks any subtlety mm-hmm. at all, and it's just like. And an obvious, and you know, doesn't doesn't make her trust him at anymore. It's fucking soy, is what it is. It yes, really sucks. It's bad writing. <laughs> it's not realistic, and it's just creepy. Like people don't behave this way given this kind of information. And also, what's at stake? Like he would definitely commit to a certain character that he would portray to her. It would be, like, very non-threatening. Yes, but he's been very inconsistent so far, and he's already broken her trust. Yeah. Which is why he, like, he asked to gain her trust back in this episode, which is, she she gives it way too easily, and she's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and then and then also be like, and yeah, when she's like, you're, you're following me, aren't you? He's like, no, no, of course not. By the way, you did this thing on this date. It's like, okay, well, what, what, what are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> So they reach the ventilation shaft, and Narek has Soji remove her shoes. Afterward, so we can take a look at them piggies. Oh yeah. Also, why are they wearing shoes on a, a fucking starship? Doesn't really make any sense, right? No, people wear shoes. 
Yeah, but why? Unless you're working in like a place with heavy objects and shit, why why wear shoes anywhere? Like you're basically in a big hotel. Yeah, it's flying. Safety reasons. <laughs> they don't have OSHA up there. They're Romulans. They should all just be wearing Crocs for real. Yeah, that's true. True that though. <laughs> so uh, they reach the ventilation shaft, and Narek has Sochi remove her shoes. By the way, the music during this part is in fucking tolerable. This yes. whole scene, they have like a song that builds into like a big kind of fanfare thing, mm-hmm. and it's just trying to like ring emotions out of you that just aren't there. It's trying to make you feel something. And the only thing I feel for this scene is absolute contempt. It also looks incredibly cheap because they have just like a fog machine going. Yeah. A fog machine and a fucking like, uh, like a little laser beams. Yeah. Yeah. The, the types that use it like laser tag. (laughs) Yeah. The kind, yeah. And like the kind that you use to like also get like, uh, at, um, during Halloween or whatever, yeah, to like, for like a middle school party or something. Yeah, it looked it looked really really cheap, like the whole scene. And so, oh god! After she removes her shoes, he runs down the shaft and glides along the floor with a gleeful cheer, and then she does the same. The two enjoy themselves as they glide through the shaft, and then they engage in a kiss. Ooh. Before Narek tells Soji that the Ellison's passenger list shows no record of her ever having been aboard the ship. Soji once more says she was, and when she realizes that Narek is accusing her of lying about it, she angrily says, to hell with you. Which, once again, why do you keep doing this and, like, breaking her trust? This dude is a fucking idiot and the worst spy of all time. There's, yeah, there's... He doesn't understand what it is to be a confidence man. You have to gain confidence mm-hmm. in somebody. Yeah, like there there would have been a way more subtle way to I- extract that information. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like, oh, well, what ship did you come in on? Yeah. Or something, or, you know, just like, you know, just just like just something that you would bring up, you know, inconsequentially, mm-hmm. well, whatever that word is. <laughs> like, inconsequentially. Inconsequentially. And and among other conversation, right. like you would you would wait for the opportunity to 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 hit with these these your, the things you actually want to know amongst a bunch of, like a ton of other shit you don't want to know. But instead, he's like, "Hey, I know I'm kind of an asshole, but do you want to go get drunk with me?" Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they get drunk. Hey, do you want to go like um, I don't know, take our socks off and like run down a hallway, smell each other's shoes? Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, let's make out. Yeah, sure. By the way, you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, dude? By the way, you're a fucking lying bitch, and I know you. It's it's so stupid. Maybe he's trying to do some. Maybe he fucking like. He's like, all right, I've just to. I got a nigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's he like, read the game. I've I've I've, <laughs> I've, lo- I've, I've I've looked up Earth Earth Earth. Uh, Earth uh, uh, information extraction techniques, and I found I found uh, this this book written by a man named Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he seems like he's very knowledgeable on this subject, and uh, especially getting information from women <laughs> and influencing women. So I think I I think I will apply these skills to this Earth woman. You know what they say? Earth girls are easy. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, he just comes up. Yeah, he's like he's like, mm, wow, your hair looks great, but you know. Like I, I don't like it that way. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of doing the subtle. It's like, hey, you're looking great today. Too bad you're lying, dumb bitch. <laughs> Too bad you're lying, dumb bitch. 
You always will be a lying <laughs> dumb bitch. So, um, fucking Sochi begins to leave him before he once more asks if she is interested in accessing the classified Borg data files on the Shinor. She asks what he's doing, and he simply responds that he's doing the same thing she is, feeding in insatiable curiosity. Shut Ooh. the fuck up! Yeah, and again, this, like, what he said, like, like, following that up with that, sort of like, we want to look at the Borg things? It's like, what, like, what are you talking about? This would be the most insane conversation to have with a real-life person. Yeah, it keeps on, <laughs> like, he keeps on changing goalposts, and, like, they keep on talking about a different thing every other sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is going on? And that, and I feel Too that's... Too much. I feel Too much. <laughs> That's why I feel like, yeah, like Picard often, and also this scene, mm-hmm. again, this is another, another drawback of like having these, this, this 10, 10 episode arc bullshit mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, well, you know, even though we're dealing with this whole thing on the Elnor planet, like we have to cut from that. We have to, we have to stop the momentum of that story mm-hmm. to fucking deal with this crap that is completely complete insanity Mm -hmm. and completely unrelated completely unrelated complete nonsense and Mm -hmm. with two people we don't fucking care about (laughs) i absolutely don't care about i I care negative amounts about them Mm -hmm. like basically everything that happened on the artifact up until like episode six or seven i was like this fucking sucks there was one episode where it was fine the one with like where seven gets onto the artifact or yeah Mm -hmm. that was fine yeah Everything else fucking sucked. Yes. It, and it didn't make, it was inconsequential. It was cringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it either like didn't make sense or was like so wrought with like information that it was like, what are they doing? Cause it was just like every different thing that people say to each other in some scenes in Picard, like everything is consequential. Yeah. And it's something that like only the worst writers do like Uwe Boll Mm-hmm. Like there are some scenes here that remind me very distinctly of the movie alone in the dark, because sometimes they just drop the pretense of levity and talking like a real human being. Mm-hmm. And we'll spend a good like four minutes just dumping information. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what? Got to do some exposition. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Man. Yeah. And yeah, the dialogue between these two right now is yeah. Insufferable <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, so three times so back on the lost arena uh raffi picks up a transmission and realizes that someone has identified picard on vashti and has sent out an alert to other romulans when they recommended to picard that they beam him out he declines and says he needs more time to converse with the quillot malat Raffi warns him that there is a lot of anger in the Romulans for what happened between them and Picard in the past, but Picard emphasizes that he is safe at the moment with the Kuat Malat. Rios then detects an incoming ship at the limits of their center range, which turns out to be Kar Katar's bird of prey. Picard tells them to do what they need to do, but he needs more time before terminating communications. He's just like putting them in danger because he wants to have a talk. Yeah. And really, what he's there for is not that important in, no. comparis- in comparison to... No, it's you know what it is? To the lives of his crewmen. It's selfish. Yeah. The reason he's there is selfish. They're like, we need to go elsewhere. And he's like, 
No, I feel bad about a thing I did or didn't do 14 years ago. So we're going to take a pit stop for me to feel better about and, myself. Oh my God. And uh -huh. yeah, just, I, I didn't really think about like what he does later in context to mm -hmm. them being in danger. What's that? Like the bar thing. Oh yeah. Like yeah. that, <laughs> that was, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just hit me. Like, I'm cause like, it's that weird because like you start to make connections, like, because there's so much that goes on in this fucking episode. Yeah. It's so dense with information that sometimes you just miss something, but yeah, yeah. like reading back it, I'm like, oh yeah, they did say that. That's wild because the very mm. next scene it like makes no sense for them to do that no no so on vashti picard and zanny continue to talk zanny tells picard uh how most of the quat malat sisters serve as free blades picard asks if they still bind themselves to a cause and zanny says they do if the cause is judged worthy Elnor brings a meal to Picard, which Picard politely declines, but this upsets Elnor, who exits the house and throws down the food. Zanny realizes that Picard is shamed in seeing that Elnor never did find a new home after all these years, but Picard also laments in the state of the relocation hub and how it has degraded so badly since the Federation cut ties with the Romulans. Zanny simply observes that because Picard was unable to save everyone, he saved no one. Now, why did the Federation cut ties with all of the Romulans? I can, I, I get yeah. the, the fucking ones out in the board cube or whatever, but why the ones that they saved? They shouldn't be blaming Picard. They should be blaming the Federation. Yeah. the Picard is just a cog in this, this giant machine. Also, like, wh why when other people that are all still enemies of the Federation not see this as an opportunity to to like win over like the Romulans. Very true. It's like, Oh, well I will like, Oh, well, you know, they wouldn't just leave it. They would just be like, well, I'm going to align myself, align myself with them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and get them on my side and, you know, I'm going to provide them with stuff, but no one does like, no one seems to give a shit, mm -hmm. which is incredibly weird. It is. So, um, Zanny realizes that Picard is shamed and seeing Elnor after all these years. Um, so Zanny simply observes that because Picard was unable to save everyone on the planet, he saved no one. So Picard responds that he allowed the perfect to become the enemy of the good, which is maybe the only okay line in this entire episode. Yeah. Uh, Zanny asks him what his cause is in regards to his inquiry for the Quilat Malat, and when Picard mentions that he will be taking on the Tal Shiar, Zanny recommends that Picard talk to Elnor of his cause. Though Elnor can never truly be of the Kuala Malat since he's a man, Zanny tells Picard that Elnor's skills in battle are formidable, and that though the journey may be dangerous and may even kill Elnor in the end, she will be happy knowing that he will have ended up living, rather than dying on Vashti unfulfilled. Honestly? completely missed opportunity to make Elnor trans. Yeah. Honestly, it would have been fucking cool. I kind of wondered, I kind of thought they were going to go that direction, but then they yeah. did. Yeah. Or, or be like, yeah, well, Elnor's fucking non-binary now, so they can be whatever they want or some yeah. shit, but it's weird that they're just sexist. Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and because like, like they, they, have... they care so much about, yeah, fucking gender in the yeah. future. That's strange. 
and it doesn't even seem like they fuck or anything. So no. it's like so, it's, so gender should be completely meaningless to them. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah, it's just like oh well, in order to be part of our cause, you just need I don't know the genitals. Like why? <laughs> yeah, that's some fucking weird turfy shit, right? Yeah. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So Picard approaches Elnor to formally ask him to judge his cause. He recalls how Data had sacrificed his life to save Picard's. Picard sadly tells Elnor that he has missed him ever since. He goes on to say that he had recently learned that Data had two offspring, how one was murdered in front of Picard and how Picard wished to find the second one to save it from the same fate. Mentioning that the Tal Shiar are hunting her, Elnor surmises that the other sister is an android, then recalls stories that Picard had told him about Data and his pet, Spot. Picard laughs. I don't know why. Elnor then asks Picard. It was named Spot. Ha 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 Cat. Uh, that one didn't get milked, although I was in that movie as well. <laughs> I was milking the pug instead. <laughs> um, so uh, Elnor then asks Picard why he needs him. And Picard mentions his failure to protect Dodge. Elnor mentions that Picard doesn't know where the other sister is. Uh, if she's even alive, if Bruce Maddox is still alive, and that Picard anticipates pursuit by the Tal Shiar. Elnor mentions that Picard needs someone, but once more asks why Picard needs him specifically. Picard mentions that Elnor is young and strong, and that Zanny had recommended Elnor to him. Picard believes his cause to be appropriate for the criteria of the Kualat Malat, but Elnor gets upset once more and recalls how Picard had left him on his own all those years ago. And, ignoring Picard's pleas, leaves Picard, saying he has no reason not to do the same. Honestly, that would have been a sick way to just exit Elnor. Yeah. That would have been pretty cool. Because <laughs> I, would, I would love to Picard, like, learn lessons the hard way, like mm -hmm. people abandoning him. And, and shit like that. Yeah, but it is also kind of, fun, like, funny, like, you know, Picard is a very emotionally intelligent person. Yes. And I feel like he would understand... And he could put himself into Elnor's shoes. Yeah, he has. That's the thing. It's like old Picard had so much empathy mm -hmm. and like acted acted in kind. This Picard seems to have nothing but selfishness mm -hmm. and acts in kind. Yeah, and and he's more he's more concerned about his like uh, personal appearance. You know, personal. Yeah, his his reputation, his legacy, and that doesn't seem like. And for one, like his reputation should speak for itself. Right. No, because before his reputation was built on just doing the right thing. Yeah. Whereas now he does the fucking wrong thing because he wants to somehow like protect his reputation. Yeah. Instead, everyone's like educating him on and stuff. And it's just like, and yeah, uh, I mean, we'll get to it. But that other scene is like, okay, continue. <laughs> so Picard lets Rios know that he's uh, ready to leave the planet. And uh, Rios lets him know that the next available window for transport uh, from the fucking big shield will be in seven minutes. So with that seven minutes, what does Picard do? Does, does Picard he... returns to the center of the settlement. Yeah, he, could, he couldn't find a fucking place to go read a book quietly. Yeah, and noticing a <laughs> restaurant that has a sign that says Romulans only decides to defy, defy the warning and enters the restaurant but not before removing the sign and throwing it on the ground. Many Romulans take offense at this, 
fucking obviously, but none confront him as he greets them and sits down attempting to get service, but is ignored by the waiters. He's going full Karen mode. Yeah, well, literally, like, a waiter walks past him doing something. He's like, waiter, waiter, waiter. And, he, like, and he's insulting them, like, acting like the... um. The table is completely dusty and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like he's like oh he's like being disgusted. Yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit customer here. Yeah, he should not be served. I would tell him to leave. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just like okay, what well, they can't, you know, the the people that own this establishment can't choose like who comes into their into their thing. Like he's no, and that and and really he's just acting like a fucking asshole, like a fucking like. Asshole American tourist in yeah, another who, country. Who do you think is causing the old British unquote, old British person? Yeah, quote unquote ethnic strife around here. Yeah. Come on, guy. Yeah. It's like Yeah, and and really like and again, this is a to Picard's emotional intelligence, he would understand. Like this wouldn't be something that he would he would even think he consider no like no. He, like he would he would understand where where what is happening like the soci the the the, the situation that's mm-hmm. happened and what's going on like he would yeah. pick up on all this shit literally what the only thing he would do publicly here is maybe like stand in the town square and be like i'm sorry and then yeah. try to explain himself and be like this is what happened this is what happened the federation didn't just abandon you they abandoned me and stuff like that you yeah know? Like, and 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 try to make amends of some yeah, kind. Exactly. But no. And see but what no. he can do to, and do to repair it. Instead, he's approached by an ex-Romulan senator named Tenquem Adrev, who introduces himself to Picard and mentions how he was present when Picard addressed the Hall of State as the embodiment of Starfleet. He remembers the many promises that the, quote, great Saint Picard made, which Adrev found very touching, moving him to tears at the time. He remembers Picard bringing Wallenberg-class transport ships and how many of the residents of Vashti boarded the Nightingale. Picard laments that the short amount of time made the evacuation difficult, but Adrev simply retorts that so little was expected of Starfleet and shows visible anger for Picard that he gave up the evacuation efforts. Adrev calls a few friends over, but before Picard can attempt to reason with them, Adriv angrily, angrily says that Starfleet had deliberately misunderstood Romulan integrity, resolve, and self-sufficiency, and accuses Picard of deliberately uh, to deliberately confuse and divide the Romulan people. Picard angrily rebukes this claim. So, about that Romulan ingenuity, resolve, and self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. If that exists, why are they fucked on this planet? <laughs> Yeah. Seems they don't have enough ingenuity, resolve, or <laughs> most importantly, self-sufficiency. They have so much self-sufficiency, they're blaming all of their problems on one guy who helped save their lives. Yeah, and thus it doesn't make sense from a Romulan perspective, because Romulans are seem to be especially, you know, industrious. Yes. Like, they're... They, self-sufficient, you Self-sufficient, might say. and, like, they would, they would, like, they would take this they would take the l like you know the fact that their planet's been destroyed and they mm-hmm. lost their influence but they would be rebuilding with the determination to fucking <laughs> reclaim that absolutely and and doesn't explain why exactly they just gave up and just relied entirely on the federation but bucket full of boohoos man but um but i'm, I'm sure they would have heard 
about because like I'm sure like the reason like they stopped um collab like the Federation stopped collaborating with those because of the synth attack on Mars. Right. And so I feel like they would have unless like no information reaches them at all. Mm-hmm. Which could have actually been a much more interesting route to take this. Yeah. If one of the two civilizations, either Romulans or the Federation, still had androids, and that mm-hmm. was the big conflict. Yeah. That would actually probably make a lot more sense than how they did set it up, to be honest. Yeah, what they set up is completely off the wall. Yeah, because it's like two opposing forces going against each other because one sees a threat that the other will not legitimize. Like it's like the very the last two episodes make no fucking sense. No. I mean the whole series makes no fucking sense. Mm-mm. Anyway, so Having heard enough, uh, Adriv tells one of his friends to give Picard his sword, uh, meaning to engage Picard in combat, but Picard refuses and throws down the sword. Adriv doesn't take the refusal for an answer, forcibly giving Picard the sword, and has him moved onto the streets where he attacks Picard. Picard, assuming a traditional fencing stance, successfully parries the attack, but throws the blade down, refusing to fight. At that moment, Elnor appears and tells Adriv, choose to live. Adriv ignores Elnor and moves to attack Picard once more. With remarkable speed, Elnor successfully subdues Adriv's friends and decapitates Adriv, <laughs> lamenting, I regret your choice. Here, Picard, you want some head? <laughs> yeah, this was this was fucked up. This was stupid. Yeah, like completely unnecessary for Picard to even do this. And, and it ended with the deaths of three men. Yes. And, you know, one being beheaded and, and that, and that's another thing. Like, you know, Picard went in completely, completely antagonistic, mm-hmm. like it's just insulting these people, you know, then tried to beg for amends. And instead of like, you know, help, promising help or doing something to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to to you know ameliorate the situation he has a mercenary assassinate <laughs> a former senator yes yep. who is presumably we don't know but yeah presumably you know someone in high standing in the yeah, community one, one of the uh, one of the former leaders at least yeah one of the former leaders but you, you know he could put in but the fact that he does have command over like his you know other guys like mm. shows that he does have some sort of like influence yeah. and so what they do is assassinate mm-hmm. a a uh, a member of their of their community in front of them, and then just fucking beam away, and without saying a goddamn. Oh thing. no no, they say a couple things. They say a couple yeah. Things. So Elnor then addresses the crowd that has since gathered to watch the confrontation and binds himself to Picard as his Qualcani, warning the crowd that anyone who threatens Picard will be choosing to die by his blade. Picard urges Elnor to put his sword away before he himself addresses the crowd acknowledging that both he and the Federation have failed the Romulans. He apologizes that he broke faith with the Romulans, resulting in the terrible pain and loss the Romulans have since had to suffer. Ilnor realizes that Picard is also speaking indirectly to him. Rios hails Picard and tells him he's ready to transport them to the ship. At that moment, one of Adriv's friends pulls out a disruptor, but both Elnor and Picard are beamed to the lost arena by Raffi before he has the chance to fire. Boo. Boo. And that's another thing. Like, yeah, what's with the swords? They have disruptor pistols. Yeah, it's very confusing. Like, what is happening? What is happening on this planet? 
It's it's so confusing. Yeah, they're they're like an Iron Age planet that has like like based <laughs> yeah. a warp capable shield around it. I don't I don't I don't get any of it. Yeah, and and the and like enough missiles to protect the entire planet from any sort of like un unregistered entry. Yeah, so what I'm getting is like they set up a planet, but like they only built one factory and it was for Raytheon. <laughs> Yeah, and so like all like, we do is make missiles. <laughs> yeah, we make missiles. We eat missiles. We uh, <laughs> my wife is a missile. Yeah, it, it it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, so safely on the ship, Picard uh, excoriates Elnor for killing Adriv. Elnor responds that Adriv chose to die since fighting Kuat Malat is a battle that is not favorable. No, it's like no, like he is definitely deflecting blame for he, this death. He, He's he, he, he beheaded a man from behind. Yeah, like like if your martial arts are so superior, you could have he could have easily incapacitated him or disarmed him. Disarmed him just like without having to murder him. If if he was really that confident no, no, in no. his abilities. You don't get it. He didn't have to murder him. He wanted to. He, yeah, him. exactly. He wanted to. Yeah. And but he uses this bullshit phrasing to make it seem as if though it's his fault, which is like well, very no, well, that, like, it's like, like the police. Well, if if you're walking behind someone and you say choose to live, you know, if they do anything aggressive in front of them, you're allowed to execute them. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's just like the same rationale that like you know the the police use when they execute somebody on oh, the street. Yeah, it was like that kid who was like eating a burger in McDonald's, and the cop opens up his door and just shoots him a bunch of times. Yeah, you saw that video, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah and then and, and it was like, well, he looked like you know he did, he was doing something suspicious. Eating a that's hamburger what, that's, is that's, very that's, suspicious. That's what, that's the claim, and it's like, well, you know, I'm I am blameless because I was just reacting to the situation. And that I, you know, I have the, I have the license to kill mm-hmm. and Eleanor seems completely unsuited for this task. And like, also where is he getting this power? Like, I believe at this point he like is answerable to some sort of legal authority on this planet, right? Yeah. And so, but, but Picard is directly fucking ignoring the prime directive and saying we don't respect their laws let's go yeah like yeah that's a thing picard he would have not beamed up he would no. have been like i have to answer for these crimes yes like we have to fix this elnor sorry you're probably going to jail <laughs> <laughs> you're going to jail well, and i'm gonna have to abandon you again buddy <laughs> yeah and that seems that's that's so disrespectful to the fucking romulans mm-hmm. like to just kill them and then beam away. Yep. And then not feel like you need to. And like yeah, that's the thing. Like they never go back. Never and answer for no. these crimes. Nope. Like they like they murdered somebody. Unless they there's fu- like some unless like widowed a wife. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like some children orphans. Unless it's some understanding that the Qat Malat or whatever can just act without impunity and just like and just do whatever they want and that's completely allowed in their culture. Otherwise, like. Something needs to go happen. That absolutely can't be the case in their culture, though, because, uh, you know, he has been hired to fight the uh, the fucking um, uh, the what do they call him? The Shah Vyash or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is like they're, you know, a legal arm of them. And so he's obviously opposed in some way legally to the Romulan culture. here. Yeah. And really, also, he really does like um, 
make uh, Picard liable for 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 this murder too because he's mm-hmm. like, I did this in honor of you. Yep. In front of a group full yeah. of, 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 of Picard witnesses. hired him to do this. To do this. Yeah. So Picard. Like, yeah, TNG Picard would have been like, "Fuck off, dude." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. No, TNG Picard would have been like a fucking sword. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, he would have been disgusted by this. So Picard angrily says that he will benefit from Elnor's skill and courage, but will tell him when to fight and when to refrain, and has Elnor swear on this. Picard then introduces and then And then then they just move on, like nothing happened. He's like, you are forgiven, Elnor. By the way, guys, this is my pal Elnor. (laughs) Uh, Picard then introduces Elnor to Jurati and Raffi, and Raffi is visibly unimpressed. As they head to the bridge, Picard asks what made Elnor change his mind and bind him to Picard's cause. Elnor simply replies that the cause met the requirements for worthiness and that Picard needed Elnor after all. Jurati asks the, what the requirements are and Picard responds that a Kwonkani will only bind herself or himself in Elnor's case to a cause that is deemed lost. The J.J. Abrams show. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, so that's how you hire this assassin. Okay, yes, gotcha, you, you, gotcha. You have to be doing something completely unreasonable. Yes. Cool. Like, ugh, that's why I hate these, the fucking Qualum a lot. They don't make any sense. They're and idiots, I, yeah. It does, and also, and def- also, how are they still alive if they're fucking, like, to take on a case, it has to be impossible. They're all still alive. Well, I think like that's the implication is that they're so good at martial arts and, and sword play that they 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 make whoever they're helping oh, win. I hate that. Like that's that's that, that's why they only that's that's why they only go into losing situations to even the score all because right. they're so good at swords. So on the artifact, Narissa, uh, Narek's sister slash I don't know, they have a weird sexual thing. I think. Yeah, uh, Nerissa, like definitely incestuous. Yeah. Nerissa enters Narek's quarters and startles him from sleep. She taunts him, af- asking if he was expecting his, quote, robot friend, and taunts him for his passionate encounters he's had with her. Narek simply emphasizes that he's interested in her obsession with Ramda, but truly happened, uh, sorry, what truly happened after the artifact assimilated the Shinar, and why the crew and passengers all lost their minds after assimilation. Narissa simply expresses frustration at Narek's slow approach to Sochi. Narek is cautious as he fears that if he presses her too hard, she will activate, resulting in her death like dodges on Earth. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Narissa is unsympathetic, reminding him that the long-term goal is that they will eventually uh, is that they eventually will be dead, and Narek tries to explain that he wants to kill all of them, but emphasizes that they can't kill them until they find where they're coming from. From their penises. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and vaginas. Nice. Uh, Narissa simply rebukes that in his approach, he just slides further into his own goals and wonders if Soji is handling him rather than he, her. She has him remind her that <laughs> she is Seb Shineb before telling him that she'll let him take his approach further for one last week, but warns that if there are no further results, she will take matters into her own hands. She then leaves him in his quarters, visibly torn, 
and what to do and banging his head against a bulkhead. Oh, also in this scene, she like chokes him out. Oh, easily. yeah. It's kind of hot, but at the same time, I'm like, what a little bitch boy. And, and, also, it. and also, it's funny, like, is she playing you as you are playing, uh, as playing her? It's mm-hmm. like, Soji's not a fucking dumbass. She's not doing anything. Yeah, so, Soji's not, not only a dumbass, she just doesn't have a memory like beyond like six months ago. Yeah, and she and she's not she's not doing anything to play him at all. She's just like, Are you following me? Yeah, she's she's just getting drunk with him and like making out with him after doing dumb shit. And and also also reacting normally to someone who's being a fucking weirdo creep. Mm-hmm. Like she's yeah. just like, wow, fucking stay away from me. He's like, damn her. How does she outsmart me at every turn? <laughs> <laughs> so back in orbit of Vashti, uh, Car Kantar's bird of prey arrives on the scene and opens fire on La Serena. Rios begins to execute, uh, execute evasive maneuvers, noting that the bird of prey has a primitive targeting system, but he is still worried about the planet's security net. Gerardi asks if they can escape the bird of prey and Rios responds that while they are nimble, the bird of prey is likely faster than his ship. As the ship takes another hit, he activates Emmett, a hologram for tactical emergencies. So, TMH. Mm. Um, too much horny. Uh, too many holograms. <laughs> too many holograms. Uh, Emmett handles the ship's phasers while Rios continues to maneuver the ship. The bird of prey begins to herd Lost Arena towards the planet's security net, and Rios executes a series of maneuvers, but gets too close to the net. At that moment, an unidentified ship suddenly enters the fray and fires on the bird of prey. Their combined phaser power, uh, phaser fire cripples the bird of prey, but immediately afterwards, the unidentified ship takes a critical hit from the bird of prey. Raffi tells Picard that the ship is hailing them, and Picard habitually orders a channel to be opened. Rios agrees and opens a communications channel, and Raffi replies that the pilot is asking for permission to be beamed aboard the La Serena. Emmett, the TMH, um, believes beaming over the unidentified pilot would present too big a risk, but Raffi pushes, stating that the pilot's ship is breaking up. They immediately beam the pilot over, with Elnor readying himself for a potential threat before the pilot's ship crashes into the Vashti planet planetary shield destroying it the pilot materializes on the bridge and is revealed to be none other than seven of nine oh motherfucking shit who picard says seven of nine uh exhausted and sporting an injury to her forehead seven tells picard that he owes her a new ship and then collapses End of episode! Wowie zowie. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> this is one of the worst episodes of Star Trek to ever <laughs> it really, exist. It really is. I it's, it's nihilistic. Hate, it's, I hate this so much. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just, there's, it, like, uh, all the scenes that take place on the artifact, completely insane, unnecessary. Elnor is a fucking, you know, trigger-happy cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's... He should not like Picard would never like never align himself with him. Like everyone like again. Yeah. As we talked about, Picard is being just very un Picard like Mm -hmm. just a complete like like acting against his every like everything that TNG Picard would do. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 
like uh, Picard Picard does the absolute opposite of that. Yes, Picard Picard is a weird, doddering old man who makes very, 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 very bad decisions. And yes. It's, it sucks. I hate <laughs> it so much. Yeah. How about you, Britt? I fucking hated it so much. Like, yeah. this is a straight up one out of ten episode. Yeah. Like, they... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I don't I, think I would ever rewatch it unless we had to for this. Like, I feel like... <laughs> Michael Chabon definitely has like uh, a urinal mat that is just Picard's head and he yeah. just pisses on it every day and laughs <laughs> and laughs and laughs. He laughs. Oh, how he laughs. Like, I know he's a good writer. I don't know if he's a good television writer because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything that's like dialogue that he's good at. But like Michael Chabon, I know is a decent writer. And so there is no excuse for this. Well, that's kind of also like with writers, like sometimes like, you know, the writ, what they've written is also then like, it goes through different hands. Yes. It goes through the producer's hands. However, however, he is the head writer of this. Yeah. And it's like, and, and he's the head writer and he has the go ahead from not just the showrunner of the show, the showrunner of all of Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. So there is no excuse for this. Yeah. Okay. I Straight up, it. no. I can see Elaine on his on his like, his responsibility. In, unless there was just a fucking an executive at Paramount who's like, no, this makes too much sense. <laughs> Re-edit everything <laughs> out of like I don't know. There's I I can't imagine. A world in which is it's not Michael Shaban that totally fucked this entire yeah. thing. Shaban, because he's he was the one who came up with the idea of Star Trek Picard. He's the one. Yeah, it, it fucking sucks, man. Like yep. this this whole like the whole story, like, and that's the thing. Like this is all bit like for the first few episodes, I had some faith it was leading towards something coherent. Faith of the heart. <laughs> I had faith of the heart. And then, like, yeah, by this episode, I was like, okay, no, it's going down the toilet and everything else after that. And then, like, it got worse. And I was still blindsided by the ending. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) It got better for, like, two episodes, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I think episodes, like, maybe six and seven or seven and eight. Like, the Riker episode isn't bad. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. It's nostalgic. It actually feels like something that could be tacked on to the end of TNG. The rest of the season, not at all. No, especially I think the next episode in this oh, is, so the, I is act- the one where he has like the eye patch in the. Yes, it is. I <laughs> I watched it. Ooh, man, yeah. that one's bad. Yeah, episode four infuriated me so much that I just watched episode five. <laughs> and, it's, and it's also such, and again, like, um, it's that's another that's another thing with this fucking like long form TV thing. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well, they're on this very serious mission, like, and then but they still have a have a um episode where they get to do funny little like outfits and just like have a little like playtime mm-hmm. basically and it's completely it, it's such a stark contrast to like the last episode where three people died because right and and, like, and they escape this judgment is a, this is a 10 episode season you can't have a fucking episode that's all like fucking hologram type hijinks yeah it doesn't make any sense it's like yeah <laughs> Like contextually, and then Picard just like you know all cheeky and being goofy with himself, like yeah. I'm I'm a I'm an evil French man. Yeah. Oh my god. And then <laughs> and then the part of the episode where uh, they're like, uh, God, I forget what it is exactly, but Rios like 
is like looking for just one more accessory. He's dressed or like a seventies era and, pimp. And someone's like, <laughs> Oh, you just need to put maybe like a feather in your cap. And the next scene is him with a giant feather in his hat. And I'm just mm. like, fuck this. Yeah. No, that it, it all sucks. But yeah. um gosh. Uh good golly gosh. Yeah. So fuck this. Fuck I mean Picard. I hope we I hope we never have to watch Picard again. But uh Oh well, well February. Oh, you're right. I mean, an episode of season one, Picard, again. So uh, true. Uh, with that, uh, that was the old episode for the week. Do you want to choose an episode to watch next week? Let's do it. All righty, ready. So uh, let's choose an episode for next week. Let's do it. Are you ready, random number generator? I am. All right. So uh, in case you don't know what we do, we choose a number between uh, one and 820. And if we've reviewed the episode before, we move on to another episode. Thankfully, that's never happened. It didn't happen this week. So uh, let's, uh, the third number we choose is uh, the one that we watch. So let's get our first number. Number 658. Not watching that. Hmm. That's probably a, actually, that's probably an enterprise. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, next one. 563. Uh, that's uh, not watching that one. It's probably going to be DS9, maybe Voyager. Not sure there. Mm. All right. And the fi- third and final number. And what will we will be watching next week? Go for it. 781. No. Oh, God. So this will be the first season of Lower Decks. Oh, okay. Could be worse. Uh, Episode three, season one, Uh, Temporal Edict. Okay. Yeah. Which I don't really remember, but, you know, I don't don't love uh, a lot of Lower Decks this early in, in its run, but... You know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll get there. So yeah, next week we will be watching Temporal Edict and also the new episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Hell's yeah! And uh, you know, with that, we are going to go ahead and uh, skip uh, all of our other segments because we've been keeping ourselves and you for too long. Yeah, we've been ranting about uh about good old good old Picard. Yep, had a Got, lot to say. We certainly did. So we're going to skip that, skip that, and uh, we're just going to move straight to thanking our Patreons or patrons. Uh, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs or just go to soytrek.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on uh, any socials, just uh, go to soytrek on any social and you can find me and Pat on there. Oh, yeah. So, uh, thank you to our $5 and above supporters. We have Dan Morrison, Dylan Lance, Ian Killia, Jordan Hale, um, uh, Nick Savard, Shane Sawyer, and our top contributor, Joanna Hearn. Awesome. Thank you, Joanna. Again, thanks, Sawyers. We appreciate all of you. Yeah. We love you. We love everyone of you. Indeed. And with that, Captain's Log, Supplemental. Well, that's all, folks. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 34 says, war is good for business. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for trekking with us, soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang dong and shuckers. Soy, 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 soy. Soy, 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 soy,
Hey, um, what kind of protection does Spock use for sex? Mm. Vulcanized rubber. Whoa! Got a motherfucker! <laughs>